All right. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Thanks to those of you who um, sent my son birthday wishes. Uh, it was really nice. Um, we had a really lovely evening last Tuesday night. Um, it was nice to linger over the dinner, you know, together. It's also good to be back. Tonight. Good to see you all. So, um, Let's just sit for a bit and then we'll talk a little bit about practice. Okay. Please get comfortable, alert position, but relaxed. Maybe take a two or three deep breaths. Feel the back lengthen. As you breathe in, feel the shoulders relax as you breathe out. And then just let your breath come and go at its own rhythm. Just for a little bit, just feel how the body feels sitting here. The contact the body's making with the seat beneath you. Feel the pull of gravity on the body. Feel the sensations produced by the contact between skin and the air in the space you're in. How does the air in the room feel on the exposed skin of your hands, your face, your neck? And now take a little bit of time to feel the way that your clothes feel on your body, the contact between the clothes you're wearing and your torso, your belly, your chest, your back. As you breathe in and out, feel the slight movement, skin against clothing, 
the sensations produced by that movement and contact. Now, just take a few moments to feel how the different big muscle groups in your body are doing, beginning with the legs. Just notice how the sensations in the leg muscles feel. How about the muscles in your bottom, your buttocks, your hips, whole pelvic area? Just notice what kind of sensations there are in that midsection of the body. And now the belly area, just noticing. Perhaps there's residual tension from the stresses of the day. Just let whatever you feel be there. No need to change it get rid of anything. Just let the body be as it is, just taking stock of how it's doing. How about the chest area? your pectoral muscles, the ribs and the muscles and tissue between the ribs. The area in the center of the chest, sternum bone area. How about the lower back now? And the upper back in and around the shoulder blades. Letting awareness move into the shoulder muscles.
How about your arms now? What do you feel when you let your awareness just explore the arms, shoulders, down to the elbows, down the forearm and into the hands? Now let's move up into the head and just notice what sensations, what kind of energy there is up in the head. The muscles of the jaw. The tongue. the eyes, is there any residual tension, fatigue, soreness in the eyes? Invite the eyes to soften at the end of a long day. Let them rest a bit. And then this whole scalp, just let your awareness gently, slowly explore the scalp. From the top of the head. To to where the skull connects with the spinal column down at the bottom in the back. And now just let your awareness take in the body as a whole, just as a gestalt, just feeling the aliveness, the presence of the body in its entirety. Now I'd like to let I'd like, like to ask you to let your awareness begin to focus on the sounds in the space around you. Just listening in an open, receptive way to whatever sounds there may be in the space that you're in. 
For those of you who've never done this before, we're not trying to pick out or identify particular sounds. We're just almost like a satellite dish, just receiving whatever sounds there may be around us. And just open, passive, receptive way. Now, as we listen for sounds in this way, it doesn't mean that we won't also feel the body to some extent. We may feel the breath. We're not listening to sounds to the exclusion of any other kind of sensation, but just letting our awareness rest primarily in hearing in sounds, a place to ground our awareness during this sitting. Very naturally, thoughts will carry you away, distract you so that you forget for a while to listen to any sounds. You may suddenly realize, oh, I'm not not hearing anything. To be expected. When you realize that's happened, just acknowledge it. And without judgment, Just gently return your awareness to the sounds around you. Thoughts will pull you away repeatedly, perhaps many times a second even, certainly many times per breath. As each time you get pulled away from hearing sounds, just acknowledge that and Gently return to the sound. Some of the sounds you hear may not even be coming from outside you. Some of you may be able to hear the subtle sounds produced by your own breathing. 
and let that be part of your auditory awareness. Following the sounds of your breath, some of you may be able to hear the sounds of your heartbeat, your pulse. Just listen to whatever there is to be heard in this moment. Now, while you continue listening to sounds in this way, please include in your awareness the sensations of the breath, perhaps the feeling of the rise and fall of your chest or your belly, or perhaps the sensations produced by the breath in your nostrils whatever feels most natural to you. Continue listening to sounds while you also feel the movement of the breath in and out of the body. If you find it difficult to follow the breath while you're listening to sounds, you can move your awareness back and forth gently, one to the other, or you can just pick one, sounds or breath, and just anchor your awareness in one of those two places whichever feels best to you.
see if you can notice the difference between how it feels when you can listen openly to all the sounds around you compared to those moments when you're caught up in thought. Can you feel the way in which thinking constricts awareness, consciousness? And the way we feel more open, more expansive, when we can just listen openly to everything around us. When thoughts pull you away from just being grounded in the moment, take note of what kinds of thoughts you're having. What are the contents of the kinds of thoughts that carry you away? from just listening to what's going on around you, from following the breath. Just notice, don't get caught up in the content of the thoughts, just notice and then return to sounds and breath. Just return to the openness of the moment. Do you notice any thoughts that are about 
the meditation practice itself, how you're doing, whether you're doing things well enough, expectations about how this should feel or frustrations about how it's going. Take note of those kinds of thoughts as well. Thoughts about how your practice is going. Again, don't get caught up in them. The point is not to analyze or think about them. Just note and then return to sounds and breath. You may realize after many minutes of being lost in thought that you have been spacing out for a while. This is natural. And you may be tempted to judge yourself or feel frustrated. Just return to sounds and breathing. No need to be dramatic about it, no need to make a big deal. At any given moment, we can return to the present, 
drop what we're thinking about and just come back to the present. Self-judgment, frustration, unnecessary, just extra, just come back. Okay, thank you everyone. <clears throat> so I said I would um, read a text by Tony Packer and then just talk a bit about it. And that's what I'm gonna do. Um, the short text is um, from her book, The Light of Discovery. And, um, and I don't know how many of you know Tony Packer's work, but she's a really wonderful teacher. Um, and um, and I think I picked this this, this excerpt from this book because um, something about it spoke to me this last week. And um, I'm just gonna riff on it for a bit. Okay, so I'm gonna read it aloud and then um, uh, not, not do some kind of like line by line, you know, discussion of it, but just, just riff a bit on some things that um, I feel she's, she's touching on. So it's called yearning for completion. When the sense of me is present with its deep feelings of insufficiency and incompleteness, with its endless searching for perfection and security, we can't see freely. I'd also add we can't hear clearly. There's always that feeling of incompleteness as I think about myself. The thought of me is, is of necessity incomplete. Any thought is incomplete. There is no complete thought. Thought comes from fragmented memories that can never ever capture the aliveness of this moment. No matter how much I think about myself, what I am, how I am, what I should be, it's never the whole thing because I am immeasurably more 
than the fragmented thoughts and pictures and feelings about myself. Thought and feeling cannot be complete. The completeness of life cannot be captured in thought or feeling. Thought is trying to do it all the time, but it can't. We live in thoughts and feelings, alone and with others who are conditioned in the same way. From the thought feeling of incompleteness arises wanting and fearing. Wanting completion and fearing the absence of it. Wanting fulfillment, meaning and purpose. Wanting and fearing. In observing carefully, one finds that not a moment goes by without some wanting or fearing. Even if there is a moment of fulfillment, there comes a desire for more of it or the fear that this moment will end. One wants to keep it, wants to prolong it. All of it comes out of this feeling of incompleteness, which inevitably goes with the idea of me as a separate entity. And then there is the trying, trying to become complete, trying to become complete through thought, the spiritual paths, the exercises, the imposed practices, whether self-imposed or imposed by discipline that one takes up, trying to become complete through time. It is all thought. Do we see that? Both the incompleteness we suffer from and the completeness we strive toward are thoughts and images. It is all an escape from what is actually happening right now, this very instant, simple, all-encompassing presence without lack, unthinkable, vast, and indivisible. So I have a set of sort of responses or thoughts to different things that, that Packer says here. I don't think they amount to like one cohesive, you know, story I want to tell about this, but I'm just gonna share a few things that come to me when I, when I um, think about this text. And I'd be very curious to hear what comes to other people either in response to what Tony is saying or perhaps in response to some of the things that I'm about to say. Um, so I think the, the place I want to start is with where she ends, you know. This attempt, this constant attempt that she's describing for us 
to achieve some kind of completeness, right? Yearning for completion, as she puts it. It's all an escape, um, in her words, from this present moment, which in truth is just simple, all-encompassing presence without lack, unthinkable, vast, and indivisible. I think there are times where we can experience the present moment as something beautiful, like the way she describes it. I think there are other times where we, we touch it, but it presents us with a very different face. Um, it's not because it's different than what she's describing it, but it feels different to us. And I think the word that I would use to describe it is groundless, you know. Um, what she's describing is what it's like to be without needing to or conceptualize are there ourselves or the kind of ex experience we're having of this moment, what it would mean not have to like package this moment into thought, right? Or who we are in this moment, just, just to be open to the richness, right? The, 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 the plenitude of this present moment. And there are times where it sounds, I think as beautiful as she describes, but there are many other times and especially in the course of a, the, a life of practice where we experience it as deeply unsettling. It feels and that, you know, it's like there's no, there's no steady solid ground beneath us. Because of course, what she's talking about in this whole piece is different ways that we try to create sense of security, right? Sense of familiarity, uh, kind of ground. Um, where she uses the word completion, I might, substitute other words like stability, right? Or solidity, or I think she, and she uses the word security once. I think that's a good word. Um, we're looking for something to hold on to, to latch on to. Um, and to experience the moment in the way that she's describing means to refrain from doing that, right? To refrain from the search for stability, um, something solid something secure. And um, a lot of the time when we sort of get near that experience or touch it a bit, right? It just feels profoundly unsettling. Like, like the ground has been taken from beneath our feet and like there's nothing to, to um, steady ourselves against. And so it makes sense that, um, we can recoil right from it. It really does. Um, uh, sometimes it almost seems like um, a kind of uh, panicky, like this, like you know, it's um, like we flinch from it. Um, she describes this as yearning for completion. And just like I had certain kind of substitutes for the word completion, I actually, I think um, I like the word yearning a lot, but I think sometimes um, it can be uh, other words I might use to describe the feeling that she's talking about. It's like clutching, you know, um, 
grasping, mm, desperately holding on to, you know. This reminds me actually, I think I've used, I've, I've, I've told some of you this uh, in a previous class, but um, the great Tibetan Buddhist teacher Chogyang Trimpa Rinpoche once described enlightenment um, as like falling out of an airplane, right? Um, right, and he and he said, you know, the bad news is there's no parachute, but the good news is that there's no ground, <laughs> you know. Um, and it, I think it's a beautiful image. It really captures, I think, um, the both wonderful and like kind of very scary like quality of like letting go of what the familiar way that we, you know, cognitively interact with ourselves and with the world. Um, um, and so th the interesting thing is like practice, I think meditation is sometimes like the easiest thing in the world. It's like, it's, you know, sometimes you just get this feeling, of course, what, what could be simpler than just being present, just like, you know, letting go, being in the moment. Um, while other times it feels like one of the hardest things to do, because I think, we're reacting to the instability that we sense um, this practice actually will expose us to. We both want it and fear at the same time. I think that's the thing. It's not, it's, um, and I think that that feeling of groundlessness is the feeling of freedom. I mean, it's exactly what Trunk was talking about. Like at first it's gonna be terrifying. If you follow the airplane, whether you know there's no ground there or not, you're gonna be terrified, right? But it takes a while to get comfortable with that kind of feeling. And so um, we pull back repeatedly. And I think it's, it's this way of thinking about what practice is asking us to do is useful because um, a lot of people think that meditation is hard because the mind's so easily distractible, you know? Um, you know, that's difficult because I can't just, I can't, I can't corral the mind. I can't, I can't focus it. My mind's all over the place, you know? You, um, so many students tell me, I just have ADHD, I can't do it, you know, um, um, the, the, the monkey mind, all of that. And of course, I think there's a lot, there's truth to that. The mind is unruly and it's all over the place. But I think it helps us appreciate more why the mind might be like this when we realize what letting go of thoughts actually opens us to, which is this feeling of radical destabilization um, and groundlessness. And so, like, of course, thought will come back um, all compulsively, you know, not simply because our minds are undisciplined, but out of fear. Um, the thoughts will, will try to protect us from this, this feeling of um, radical insecurity, radical vulnerability, which is really what practice, I think, is is opening us to, which is again, what we want, but also necessarily frightening, you know, um, it's definitely not comfortable. And then it can become weirdly the most comfortable experience you could ever imagine, the peace that passes understanding. But it's not because you've experienced something different, but it's because you've experienced that groundlessness in a different way. You know, it's, it's that same experience that was scary that suddenly becomes transmuted and you realize is just what 
quiet pieces, just being present. Um, and so the key is, I think, not to strive harder, not to discipline the mind more, more rigorously, as not to, to bring in more effort, but somehow to soften, I think, into this, um, this experience of unsettledness that I think is necessarily a part of the journey of practice. Um, in a text that I've, I've shared a number of times on Tuesday nights, you know, Pema Chodron calls this the in-between state, right? Uh, a state in practice where I feel like we've let go of our habitual ways of relating to life and ourselves, and yet we haven't really fully become at home in the equanimity and peace and calm that practice is supposed to give us. We're kind of in this in-between state. And I think it's this place where we're getting in touch with this, this instability, this insecurity, this sense of groundlessness. And, and it's so easy to either recoil from it back into thought or try to like plow through it and try to like turn it into something that I need to fix and work through. You know, um, I also think, by the way, that it can be tempting. Um, I think quite naturally tempting to think that when we encounter this deeply unsettled feeling that I'm associating with the experience of groundlessness, that we might think there's some kind of deep wound within us. Like it must be evidence that there's some kind of, you know, childhood, you know, wound or trauma or something like this, you know, um, and that may be present, but the thing is, even when it's not, we're going to experience this kind of radical sense of um, can't this unsettledness. I don't know. It's like it's it's this um, this kind of churning feeling, you know. Um, and Ezra. Um, I think it likes to call this like the anxious quiver of being, you know, it's just, it's just this kind of feeling that you get when you start to get in touch with what it is. Um, when you start to see beyond um, all the things that we identify with, all the thoughts we have about ourselves, all the stories we tell about ourselves, we begin to see that they're not quite as solid as we thought they were. And this of course doesn't happen at the very beginning of practice. It happens after you've been doing it for a while. But when you start, they start to not be as solid as they used to be, then you start to experience this kind of unsettledness, you know. Um, and, um, and I think it can make sense to think like, okay, there's some deep core pain I have, something, I can't stand this feeling. It's just, it's so uncomfortable. And again, for some of us, there may be like psychological pain that we need to work through either through meditation or even through therapy. But I think sometimes it can just be this, this, this feeling of um, getting in touch with the groundlessness that is actually the ground um, or the root of our being, you know, who we really are beyond all the stories that we tell about ourselves. And so I think it's really important not to turn it into a problem, even though it feels like the most uncomfortable thing you could imagine. I think sometimes we can get really like grim and serious about practice. I got to work on this stuff. Oh, stuff is coming. I got to really work through, figure out in some way, right? Um, 
But sometimes it's just about noticing that, that you like you're yearning for completion. You're yearning for some kind of solidity. You feel it so powerfully. It's like a tug. It's such a powerful tug to notice that and just to let go, to let go of that compulsion, that urge to stabilize, right? To, to make sense of the moment, to figure it out, right? Um, just to let go. I mean, what's so interesting is, and I, I think a number of you have experienced this, maybe met, most of you have experienced this, but aren't there times where you just feel so bad, so uncomfortable, just like your innards, your mind, your heart, just, just churning, right? Um, and then poof, it's gone. You know, just because like you just, you got absorbed in activity or you noticed how beautiful the sky was or because you were just in the presence of another person that pulled you out of yourself or you just were washing dishes and you just became absorbed in that task or you were just meditating and you decided, okay, this feels really crappy. I'm just gonna return to the sounds around me. And somehow that thing that seemed all consumingly uncomfortable just goes poof. And you wonder, so what's, how real was that? <laughs> now, how solid was that, that it could just disappear like that? It sure as hell felt really like, like claustrophobically real. And suddenly it's not there. And I think it's, it's, it's just that those are like these wonderful experiences show that, um, Ultimately, those that that they can make you feel so bad, but they're insubstantial as all kind of thoughts really are in the end, right? Um, and and then I think a really interesting you can have a really interesting insight, which is you can start to to sense the ways in which you're actually attached to the ways that those that makes you feel that there's a part of you that's more familiar with more comfortable with feeling that churning than you are with letting it go. Cause that's suddenly like so spacious. It's disorienting in its own way. <laughs> it's like, I feel like, wow, like I don't have my ordinary, like um, compass readings. I don't have my ordinary ways of making sense, you know? And I think practice really just coming to that point where um, over and over again, you you hold on tight and then you let go and you get more and more at home. The experience of letting go of the thoughts that would make you feel constricted and tight, you know. Um, and yet there is a comfort to that because it's so familiar. Um, I think that this passage that Tony has about um, the one of the ways that this yearning for completion manifests is um, in our investment, right? In our spiritual paths, you know, even like my identity as a meditator, right? As a spiritual practitioner can be another way that I try to, um, solidify my story about myself. Okay, you know, um, I know who I am. I'm the person who, who meditates. I'm the person who's working on myself in this way. And um, 
I think we can make sometimes like a, a big deal, right? A fetish of um, how good an observer we are of ourselves. Um, wanting always to be observant, always to be watching ourselves, the person who is super self-aware, right? But at some point, I think this practice calls us to let go of our attachment even to the picture we have for ourselves as the person who is practicing, the person who is, you know, spiritual, the person who is observant all the time. Um, and to let go, let go of that into just this fullness of this moment, of this instant, this, this beautiful um, present moment that Packer is calling us to in this piece. And, um, and I think um, this is why I think practice is both easy and hard. You know, it's easy because um, in a way, like when we are able to let go, we realize that like it was the most natural thing to do. Like there was nothing, like no big deal, right? All we have to do is just notice and let go into sounds, into our breath, into whatever it may be. Um, and yet, I think it's, It's good to appreciate, I think, how powerful that tug is, um, that yearning that Packer's talking about for the sense of completion. Um, it's, I think most of the time we're practicing, I think we're, we're in that zone where we're really like trying to be gentle with that yearning, that clutching, that grasping, um, and it really is just softening around that impulse, right? Letting, like, uh, letting, noticing it, letting it be there, not trying to force the hand open um, so that it can learn to relax on its own and give up its clutching grip in its own time. I think that's what's so difficult, um, and, but also so important, I think, to experience. Um, so I don't know, did anyone have any, any thoughts about Packer or any of the things that I, um, I just happened to say, just want to speak from your own experience. Are you familiar with this feeling of groundlessness and this, this, the way that we clutch after security, um, just in our daily life or in the midst of our practice lives? Does it resonate at all? Sylvia. Yeah, I, um, it does. And I see it more uh, as, a, as a craving to understand mm. and to understand, hence to control. Mm -hmm. And in a way for me, um, it's been uh, hugely beneficial for me to realize I don't have to control 
I don't have to really understand because sometimes things will happen. And I do believe you, you're absolutely right with the, the idea of it's a familiar, like sometimes that uh, resistance that we go against mm-hmm. is so comforting because you know it and then you know where you stand, but it's not real mm-hmm. because it, if you really just realize it doesn't really matter, that resistance will go away. And then you're in this kind of, um, you can just go anywhere because that was self, uh, it was self-motivated. You almost, you could, you constructed that. It's not really there. So, but um, it is amazing how it looks so difficult. It looks really solid. It feels like it's a solid brick. And all of a sudden it's, it's like, it's uh, a wooden log that's just, gone into ashes and you could just walk right through it and it is scary it's a wonderful way of describing it um and i think that that impulse to understand you know as a manifestation of the impulse to control right is is so powerful like i got to figure it out like i I gotta make sense of this why what why am i this way what's going on like you know um as if like that was the key right when it's actually just feeding the problem um, I think that 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 willingness to let go into as as Zen practitioners call it, not knowing, right, um, is so essential and yet so difficult because we are so conditioned to feel like you need to understand something, right, to 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 move beyond it. Yeah, and in a way, it's something that. Um... It's in a way, this is an incredible opportunity for us just to realize it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we could just see it as um, a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks, Sylvia. Thank you. Does anyone else have something they'd like to, to say? I would. Uh, uh, this is Mary. Hi, Mary. <laughs> I'm very fortunate because I feel I let go. <laughs> and everything that you said, I mean, so many different little things about, well, the bad news, you have no parachute. <laughs> and the good news, <laughs> there's no ground. <laughs> so... I, um, I don't know, the, the thing that I find unsettling is because all these good things keep happening. <laughs> I mean, which is the direct opposite of what you were talking about. But somewhere along the line, and little glimpses throughout my life, I've had, you know, those experiences, but I don't know why, and, you know, it sometimes it flips me out. I said, "Oh, you know, I'm looking for something, and poof, it's there. Or I want something, and I get it." <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't. I've yeah. been through all of that, yeah. I, and you can't tell your younger self, "Well, don't worry about this. Don't have anxiety. Don't." Yeah, because you don't know then Mm. what you 
know when you're older. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's 8.35, so maybe we should call it an evening. Um, could we sit for like just half a minute together so we can like end with silence again? Okay, thank you. All right, everyone. Good night. Thank you for being here.